Hey, welcome to The Quest and thank you for being with us today. It's always good to be together and it's always good to have you with us, especially if you're checking us out. If you're checking us out, we encourage you to scan the QR code. That QR code will pop up a link. That link will help answer some of the questions that you might have about who we are. It'll also allow you to connect with us if that's something that you'd like to do. We would encourage that because we want to connect with you. I also want to remind everyone that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is scan Fresno Quest Church in any of the podcast platforms that you like, and you'll find us there. Listen, before we get into the talk today, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're here because of you. We're here to connect with you. We're here to know you. Father, we know that you created us for a relationship. We know that you created us to do life with us. We know that we are made in your image. And Father, I ask today that as we listen to this talk, that Father, you just speak life into us, that you'd breathe life into us, that you would encourage hearts that are discouraged. Father, that you'd give faith to those whose faith might be weak, that you would strengthen those who need courage in their lives. Father, that you give peace to those who are going through fearful times. Father, we desperately need you in our lives. We desperately want you in our lives. And so today, we just open our hearts. We ask you to speak into our lives. And Father, that you would deal with the thought patterns of our lives, that our thoughts might reflect you and draw us closer to you. Father, bless each person that's listening today. Bless them with just surprise visits of your spirit in their life. For all this, Father, we are so grateful, so thankful for you and your love for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in a series that we've been in for the first part of this year, and it's titled, You Say You Want a Revolution. Many people in our world today begin the year with resolutions, a desire for a new way of living. And the way we do that is we imagine a more desired life, a better life, something more than what we currently have, something better than what we currently have. And then what we do is we commit ourselves with great resolution that this is the new direction of our life and we're going to follow it. We're going to do the best that we can. The problem is, is that only 8% of the people that begin the new year with resolutions actually see them through. And what it shows us is we need something greater than a resolution in our life. We need something more than willpower. What we need is a revolution in our life. A spiritual revolution, if you would. A revolution that changes us at the very core of our lives. A revolution that changes every part of our lives, not just certain aspects of our lives that we want to be better. The big difference between a resolution and a revolution is this. A resolution is a decision to do or not do something. And it's based on our willpower, as I said, and personal strength, our internal strength, our internal resolve. A revolution, on the other hand, is to forcibly or intentionally overthrow the authority that controls our lives. Unless our lives are surrendered to God, guess what? You are the authority of your life. So if you let that sink in, what you discover is a resolution is a new direction in our lives based on my power, our power, our willpower. While a revolution is a new direction in our lives based on God's power, God's authority in our life. We need a revolution in our lives to change and transform the areas of our lives that are out of control or that have, we have little control of. Listen, if we're going to experience a revolution in our life, you can write this down. The leadership of our life establishes the thoughts of our life. See, the leadership that we surrender to will establish the thoughts that direct our lives. When God is the authority of our life, the leadership of our life, God wants to establish the thoughts of our life. 
Listen to this scripture. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The leadership of our life establishes the thoughts of our lives. Aren't you glad that God wants to establish the thoughts in your life? Aren't you glad that God can establish the thoughts in your life? You may want your life to change. You may want to experience a changed life. But our lives don't change until our thinking changes. Listen, the reason that this issue of our thoughts is so important is this. The thoughts in our lives are seeds that we allow to grow and become the timbers that we build our lives on. Our thinking is the substance that we use to build our lives on. Every action in our lives begins with a thought. What we nurture in our mind becomes the structure of our lives. And what I mean by that is this. You can't have a positive life with negative thoughts. You can't have a healthy life with unhealthy thoughts. You can't have a godly life with ungodly thoughts. Our lives will always follow the direction of our thoughts. Proverbs tells us this that we're to be careful how we think because our lives are shaped by our thoughts. Our thought life, our thoughts need to be surrendered to God and so that they can be established by God. So when we experience a revolution in our life, when we change the leadership of our lives, what happens is this, you can write it down. We end up guarding, we guard against anxious thoughts in our life. Raymond talked about this last week. Worry has a way of creeping into our lives. It creates scenarios for our future without God's presence or power. But worry is not the only issue that we deal with when it comes to our thought life. See, when we're going to experience a revolution in our lives also, we've got to guard against destructive thoughts in our life. And I understand that some deal with this more than others, but I also know this, that it's also something that all of us have to guard against in our lives because destructive thoughts can take over our lives. So while anxious thoughts reflect the fear in our lives, listen, destructive thoughts reflect the lies that we have believed as truth. There are many types of destructive thoughts. One of the ones I first think about is this, the thoughts that tempt me. All of us experience temptation in our lives. Temptation is not a sin. It's what we do with the temptation that leads us to sin. And if we're looking at what a definition of temptation is, well, first of all, you could say this. It's an enticement to do something that compromises or leads us away from what is good. Another definition would be this. A temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Thoughts of temptation are influenced by many things. Things like the world that we live in, the enemy that we live with, and the old nature that lives within us. Scripture tells us this. It says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Listen, the longer that we harbor temptation, the longer that we nurture the thoughts that lead us to temptation, the more likely we are to give in to temptation. I said this earlier, but destructive thoughts reflect the lies that we believe is truth. And here's the lie of temptation that we buy into. The lie of temptation that we actually believe is what tempts me is better than what God wants for me. We would never say that what we want is better than what God has for us. But the fact that we want something more than what God has for us shows us what we believe as being true. 
Remember, our lives follow the direction of our strongest thoughts. So when we allow our thoughts to be fixed on temptation, the direction of temptation leads us away from God, not closer to God. Here's another type of destructive thought pattern that we allow into our lives sometimes, and, and, and that's this, thoughts that belittle me. Sometimes it's our hurts from the past or history or our hangups. Maybe it's things that people have said to us about us. Maybe we feel that we have let others down or worse yet, we've let God down. It affects how we think about ourselves. See, the thoughts that we have about ourselves become the message we continue to tell ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't have what it takes. I can't do what God wants me to do. We have this tendency to depreciate ourselves and put ourselves down. To think the worst about us, we trivialize and minimize ourselves. And the lie of temptation that we have believed that shapes our thoughts is this, that God's love and grace to me is not enough for me. We don't come out and say it, but what we're believing to be true because of the conversation that we have with us is that God's love for us and God's grace to us is not enough. It's not enough to change me. It's not enough to change how I see myself. Grace is the love of God in our lives that we don't deserve. His forgiveness, His plans for my life, His value of our lives. When we allow destructive thoughts into our lives, what happens is we define our value rather than letting God define our value. Scripture tells us this, For you are God's masterpiece. He created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you could do good things that He planned for you long ago. That speaks of God's value to you. Another scripture is this, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. We have to be careful about how we think about ourselves. We can't let our thoughts about us contradict God's thoughts of us. One last destructive thought pattern that I want to look at, and that's this. The thoughts about God that deceive us. See, whether it's the enemy or the culture that is governed by the enemy, this is a huge area of concern that brings destructive thoughts into our lives. Lies that we have learned to believe about God. What happens is these lies destroy our faith in God. See, the enemy seeks to sabotage your faith in God, to undermine and weaken your connection with God. And you can write this down in your notes. The thoughts we nurture about God become the truths that we use to define God. That's huge. So when we allow ourselves to think things like, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. God can't use me. He, God can't forgive me. What I've done in my life is too great for God to forgive me. Another lie that people believe is, God is only good to me when everything is going well for me. Listen, deceived thoughts about God change how we see God. It undermines the character of God and reinforces the lies that the enemy has fed us about God. So what it does is it creates this distorted view from my life and then a distorted life. It causes us to second guess the nature of God. Listen, if God didn't answer a prayer that you prayed in your past, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you or what's going on in your life. It only means that we don't understand what God is up to. We don't see the full picture. Listen, when we buy into the lie about deception, here's what we believe, that God and his word cannot be trusted. We actually come to believe that of all the things that we can put our trust in, 
God and His Word are not the most reliable. Listen, we all know that life is full of curveballs. Things happen in our lives that we don't understand. And then what happens is when things don't make sense, we begin to doubt what we don't understand. But the doubt in our lives then causes us to redefine God. And we redefine Him based on our doubts, our lack of understanding, our fears. It's a great question to ask. Are your thoughts about God defined by God? Or are they defined by you? Scripture tells us this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, God is always faithful. And what God says about himself is always true. When we begin to think that God and his word cannot be trusted, we begin to develop and nurture a destructive thought pattern that destroys our lives and destroys our perspective of God. Listen, there's a very real battle going on in your mind. The mind is the battleground. Our thoughts establish the battles that we win and lose in life. And that's why God-shaped thoughts are so important. I want you to think about this just for your own life. Can you be free of the addiction in your life or is it a hopeless case? Do you have to live by fear because you just can't help it or can you live by faith? Does God want to use you or is he done with you? Is what God asking of you really too much for you? See, the outcome to those questions is already decided in your mind. If you think you can't, you won't even try. The battle is already won. So the scripture tells us how to deal with these destructive thoughts in our life. How to engage in this battle. And not just engage, but how to win in this battle. And it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's a lot there to unpack. A stronghold is a wrong thought pattern in our lives. A stronghold is a lie that we have believed is truth. And God's power demolishes these strongholds. That's why we have to take every thought in our lives captive. Every pretense, every pretense that sets itself up against who God is and what he can do in our lives. What he says is true what he says that we can do. And we have to make those thoughts obedient to God, obedient to Christ in our life, obedient to the authority of God in our life. We make our thoughts conform to Christ. In other words, we're creating new pathways of thinking, new pathways of truth, new pathways of thinking that we have not used before. We're letting God's truth transform and renew our minds. So how do we deal with these strongholds in our lives? Well, first of all, I would say this. We've got to identify the biggest strongholds that are holding you back. What is the lie that you have believed as truth? What is the lie that has kept you from experiencing God in your life? What lie has kept you from faith in God, from growing closer to God, from trusting God? See, it's either truth in our lives or it's trash. It's trash when we believe I'm not good enough. My past is too great for God to forgive me. I can't trust God. I can't get close to God. I'll never find the right person for my life. What is the lie that you personally have bought into? Identify the stronghold. Name it. Understand it. 
We can't defeat what we don't define. And I would encourage you to ask God for help in this. It's like David said in Psalms, he said, look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything that I'm thinking. Don't let me follow evil ways, deceptive ways, destructive ways, but lead me in the way that time has proven true. Do a thorough search. Let God be a part of that search. Identify the stronghold, the lies in your life that you have believed because the deception is keeping you from the life that God has for you. Also, when dealing with strongholds, the other thing we need to do is this. We need to identify the truth that demolishes the strongholds. What spiritual truth corrects the lie that you have believed? What scripture, what is it that God says about himself that contradicts the lie that you have believed? You gotta find it, you gotta write it, you gotta think it, you gotta say it until you believe it. We need to replace the lie with the truth of God. That's what Jesus says in John 8. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, we can be exposed to the truth, but we've got to believe the truth. We've got to know the truth. We've got to act on the truth. We've got to hold on to the truth. We've got to think on the truth. It has to be greater in our lives than the feelings of our life. In fact, I would say we've got to allow the truth of God to change the feelings of our life. We've got to let the truth of God's word be the thermostat of our emotions. Let God's word change how you feel. Let God's word change how you think. Listen, there are so many scriptures. There's thousands of promises that God has about who he is. The scripture needs to define God, and we need to invest the time into discovering that. Find it, write it, think it, say it until we believe it. But I want you to just listen, because there's just a few that I've written down that I want to correct some of the lies that I know that people believe, some of the falsehoods that keep people locked in a destructive life, a destructive thought pattern. One of these areas is this. When we feel like we can't do what God is asking of us, when we feel like we're not spiritual enough, when we feel that we can't overcome an addiction, Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can do it. When we feel like we're alone, when we feel that God has left us, Hebrews 13 reminds us what God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When the fear in me is greater than the faith in me, 1 John 4 says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I'm anxious and when I'm worrying, 1 Peter 5, 7 reminds me to cast all of my cares on God because he cares for me. I can never believe that God doesn't care. His word tells me that, it do, that he does. When I'm sad or when I feel spiritually weak, Nehemiah 8 tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. When someone that I love passes away, Thessalonians reminds me that we're not to grieve like those without hope. Because since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again, we believe that when Jesus returns, that also all those that have died will come back with him and we will see our loved ones again. When I don't think I'll have enough for my needs, I'm reminded, Psalm says this, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Philippians reminds me this, that my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When I'm freaking out in life and I need peace, Isaiah reminds me that God will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is fixed on him, when my thoughts are fixed on him. When you don't know what to do and you need guidance and direction for your life, Isaiah reminds us that we'll hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, whether we're to turn to the right or to the left. When I'm wondering if God even hears my prayers, 
Isaiah reminds me, the Lord's hand is not too short that he cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. In other words, God always hears our prayers. We need to create new pathways of thinking, new thought processes, renewed thought processes in our life. Find it, write it, think it, say it until you believe it. A revolutionary life deals with the destructive thoughts in its life. The truth can set you free. The truth can heal the hurts. The truth establishes strength in your life. And the truth of our lives proves the authority in our life. Would you do me a favor and just close your eyes for a moment? I always encourage everyone that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that that's the very first step. But you want a revolutionary life, then the leadership of our life has to change. And I want to encourage you today, if that's you, if that's something that you need to do, if that's something that God is leading you to do, I want to encourage you, there are no magic words to say. All you have to do is you have to say, God, I surrender my life and I ask you to be in control of my life, to be the leadership of my life, the authority of my life. I live to please you, no longer living to please myself. I want you, Jesus, to call the shots in my life. I want to experience a revolutionary life, a life with changed leadership, changed authority, and he'll give you a brand new purpose for living. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and Father, I ask first and foremost for those that want to begin this relationship with you, they want to establish you as the center of their life. Father, I ask that you would step in at this moment, at this immediate time right now in their lives, and that, Father, you would begin to change them. You would begin to bring the change in their lives that they cannot bring. Father, that you begin to speak into their life, breathe into their life, and that you would establish within them a new purpose, a new priority, a new passion for living. Father, that you would free them from the destructive thoughts in their lives, the anxious thoughts in their lives. Father, help all of us in that area. Help the thought process of our lives, the thought patterns of our lives, to reflect your truth, to reflect who you are, not lies that we believe, not temptation that we have surrendered to. Father, we surrender ourselves to your word, your truth. We surrender ourselves to you and ask that you would help us as we seek to know the truth and to discover the truth that, Father, you would make your truth plain to us and help us in this process. Help us in our thinking. Father, search our hearts, search our thoughts, and see if there's anything in these thoughts that's displeasing to you. Father, may your truth, may your life redefine us, and may it correct the destructive thought pattern that we have allowed into our lives. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, this is a process. This is a learning adventure. Somebody said that being a Christian is a series of falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up. It's the process of learning to trust God. It's the process of surrendering to God. It's a process of fighting our desires and surrendering those desires for God's desires. It's allowing the truth of God to replace the lies that we have bought into. It's living a God-defined life rather than a self-defined life. Listen, you don't do this alone. The Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is with you. He helps you. Talk to Him. Allow Him to lead you. Allow Him to reveal the Word of God to you. 
Listen, before we close, I just want to remind you that if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a connection group, get into one because we all need relationships. We all need people around us that are praying for us, encouraging us, people that we do life with, people that are walking with us. And if you're not in a connection group, I want to encourage you, call the church office, scan the QR code. Either one of those ways will help connect you to information. Great connection group leader that you can talk to and you can connect with and grow with. I also want to thank you guys for your financial gifts. Thank you for giving to the needs of the Quest. Thank you for providing for the Quest. Thank you for investing in God's kingdom at the Quest and what God is leading us to do. I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. I know that God is blessing your obedience. I know that God is blessing you. Listen, this might be one of those areas of a lie that you believe, like the church only wants my money. That is not a truth from God. And that becomes a destructive thought pattern that can limit God in your life. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't given to God, trust God, give to him, and you will find he is faithful to take care of the needs of your life. I also want to remind you that we have seven days left in our fast. We encourage you to participate. Seven days of drawing closer to God that are left. And I want to encourage you to do that. You never go wrong in drawing closer to God. So I want to remind you and just encourage you to participate with us in that. Listen, we are so grateful that you participated with us today. We're so grateful that you've been a part of this gathering today. Thank you for being a part of the quest. If you need someone to pray with you, please feel free to scan the QR code and please reach out to us. We would love to pray with you. Listen, have a great rest of your week. We love you so very much. Take your thoughts captive in the destructive thought process. Listen, have a great week. We love you guys. God's best to you. Bye-bye.